this morning I wanted to talk to you about a giant of a man. There was a song that came out that was called Big Bad John. I don't know if you remember this. Some of you are way too young to do that. I think all of you are too young to remember that. But every morning at the mine you could see him arrive. Stood six foot six and weighed 245. Kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hip. And everyone knew you didn't give no lip to Big John. Big bad John. Nobody seemed to know where John called home. He just drifted into town and stayed all alone. He didn't say much, kind of quiet and shy. And if he spoke at all, you just said hi to Big John. Then came the day at the bottom of the mine when a timber cracked and the men started crying. Miners were praying and hearts beat fast and everyone thought they'd breathe their last, except John. Through the dust and the smoke of this man-made hell walked a giant of a man that the miners knew well. Grabbed a sagging timber, gave out with a groan, and like a giant oak tree, he stood there alone. Big John. Big bad John. And with all his strength, he gave a mighty shove, and then the miner yelled out, there's a light up above, and 20 men scrambled from the would-be grave. Now there's only one left down there to save, Big John. With jacks and timbers, they started back down. Then came that rumble way down in the ground. And then smoke and gas belched out of that mine. Everyone knew it was the end of the line for Big John. Big bad John. Now they never reopened that worthless pit. They just placed a marble stand in front of it. These few words were written on that stand. At the bottom of this mine lies a big, big man, Big John. My, aren't you glad they don't uh, put a music like that anymore? How oh, that's kind of <laughs> Jim, Jimmy Dean, you know, the sausage guy. Remember that? He's the guy who did that one. I remember that song, Big Bad John. Well, he's, they said, oh, I don't know if that is a story is true or not. It's kind of a fun song, I suppose, happening. Would you open your Bibles to Samuel chapter 17? First Samuel. I'm having difficulty there. Did it move? Did I move or did you move it? I did. Okay. First Samuel chapter 17. Well, we're going to talk about a really big man. A really big man. So you know this story. I got this story from childhood. It was one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Maybe yours, beginning in chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered from their forces for war and assembled at Sohak and at Judea. They pitched camp on the Ephesus at Danamanian and stood at Sekah and Zach, excuse me, Zekai. And Saul and his Israelites assembled and encamped in the valley of Eli and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. Now the Philistines occupied one hill of the Israelites, another, and they were on the valley between them. John, I'm sorry we didn't get to go and see this particular valley. I apologize for that. I was hoping that would be on our tour. I've been there before and have stood in that very valley, and you can just see how this all took place. But a champion named Goliath, 
who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. A cubit is about 18 inches long, depending if you're doing a regular cubit or a, which is 18 inches from the elbow to the tip of your fingers, or if you were doing a royal cubit, was, which was considered 22 inches. We'll go with the regular cubit with there. So that would make him nine cubits tie plus, so it'd be nine and a half feet tall. This was a big man. He was a very big man, and he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scales, armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. And on his legs, there were these bronze greaves, bronze greaves, and there were also a bronze javelin that he slung on his back. And his spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod. It was long, and he had an iron point weighing 600 shekels. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. And Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of the Israel and said, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man who, and have him come down to me. And if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. It was a boastful claim. It was a boastful claim. So this story is rather intriguing because it involves just exactly the opposite. Here we had a man standing in his armor, holding all these things, of which he had been effective. History tells us that he'd been very effective with his armor, and he had killed people, and therefore he has extremely arrogant and very confident in the way he was dressed and the war type of person he was. He had been in battle, and the Philistines were thrilled to put him on the front line, and he was making this challenge. Well, come on out. Who dares to come out and fight? Well, he could reach you with his sword before you could ever get close to him. He would have his sword, and he would kill you. It was certain death that would happen. He made this great boast, great boast. And so it goes on, the Bible says, and then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing these words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified of him, of what happened. Because they knew anyone would go out, it would be certain death. Certain death. Well, as this was going on and it and happened, there was a man by the name of Jesse, and he had sent some of his sons off to fight in this war, and they were there on the front lines, and so he was wondering how they went. He did not have a cell phone or the internet to connect with them, to keep up to date. There was no news that would happen like that other than runners, so what happened is he had to send his son. So he asked David, his youngest son, David, I want you to go, take some supplies, go and see our uh, my sons and uh, my older, your older brothers, come back and tell me how it went. So he, David takes off. He was just a shepherd boy. And there are lots of shepherd boys. If you were to try there today, as John and I did, you would be there and you would see those, didn't we? We saw shepherd boys all over with their sheep there in the Middle East, just the same as it was. And so David was sent and he took his things and he went and he found his brothers and they were all along this line. They were out there in the battle line showing up. So David in the Bible goes on, and we're going to jump down to verse 22. And so David 
left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. And as they were talking with them, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of the Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And when the Israelites saw this man, verse 24, when they saw it, they fled from him in great fear. So now David watches this. He's seeing this taking place. He watches. Now he's a shepherd boy. And he's watching his brothers and others back up from this when Goliath came out. They are now nervous about him. Now the brook, this little brook that goes down between them, is not very, I could easily walk across it. But they were on either side, and they had arrows and things, so forth. So they were back a little bit. But there was this brook that was there. And he asked the men, he asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He asked this question about them, and oh, they told him all about the honors and so forth. Well, eventually word, if you know the story, eventually the word about David got up to Saul. And David said, I will go do it. And Saul says, oh, that's got to be, come, come in, come in, come in. So he talked to him, and he says, what are you going to go and do against him? And so he said, well, in reality, I have fought a lion and a bear. I have fought with them when I was taking care of the sheep. Now, that would be significant, wouldn't it? You know, he was a young lad when he faced these. And he killed them both. Makes me wonder about uh, the, killed, uh, Daniel Boone when he killed a uh, bear when he was only three or something. I don't, you know, going there, I remember that as a kid. But the lion and a bear. He told the story to him. And Saul was wondering, well, how could that be? And he said, your servant, who has killed both a lion and a bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, David says something here that gives us a hint about this story. David perceived Israel as being the armies of the living God. Saul never said that. His brothers did not say that. Oh, they're going to go join the army. But David says specifically, he's defying the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. And so Saul said to David, okay, well, all right, go. And the Lord be with you, you fool. Go ahead. And so if you know the story, he, he gave him he gave him his armor. He put his armor on him and says, here, this will protect you and fight. And David said, I cannot go in these. I cannot go. It's because I am not used to them. So he took them off. He took them off. And I, remember, we now get the phrase from this. He said, I, I like to fight in my own armor. You know, we, what's familiar with us? We like to fight in our own armor. So, so he said, no, I cannot use these. So he took them off. He said, I cannot fight with these. Anyway, they don't fit me. I cannot go with these, he said to him, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took a small staff in his hand, which he had used as a shepherd. 
chose five smooth stones from the stream. Now, when I was there originally, I found the four that he didn't use. And I, well, how do you know? They were laying right there. I picked them up. Brought them home. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David as they were starting to gather together. And he looked David over, and he saw that he was little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome. And the Bible says, and he despised him. And he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? Speaking of the chap. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. And David answered the Philistine and said, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. See that again. I have come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. It is him you have defiled. It is him. This day, said the Lord, will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give your carcasses, I will give the carcasses of the Philistines, army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So the test given to them was gathered there. And all those who gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear or that God the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all all of you into our hands. And if you know the story, which I assume most of you do, as David went down and those stones, and I've seen those stones, they're about this big, about this big, they're perfect size, and they're round, and you pick up the stone, and he put it in. When I was in college, one of my classmates, he had a sling. Now, he could make that sling, that thing, move around like they do with the long string. And that thing would get winding up and the certificate force of that thing. And then when he would let go of one of the things and that thing would shoot out, I remember it went out and it hit a tree and just whack. The noise of that thing when it hit that tree, just whack, made that hit. I'm going, well, that's what David, I didn't have these pole swings. He had... The sling that went around and around. And you've heard the story. Maybe you sang it as a child, around and around. And what happened, and you probably like the story. So the, he pushed back the helmet. He pushed back his helmet to laugh at David. And the Lord prepared that, and it hit him right in the skull, right in the forehead. And he fell down, dead. And David climbed on him and cut off his head. You probably remember this story from childhood. This like, it was one of my favorite stories to hear. Okay, now you have to watch. So, I entitled this, A Giant of a Man. 
Goliath was a very big man. Nine and a half feet tall. Goliath was a giant, we would say. Goliath had confidence in his armor, in his ability to fight. He had confidence in what he was doing. He had done it before. He was a warrior. He knew how to fight. And he had the instruments that he'd used before so effectively with him. But was he the giant of the man in this story? Was the giant of the man David? Was he, was David the giant of a man? If so, what made him the giant of the man? Certainly we would say David was the hero. We would say he was a hero. Certainly that story turns on that. But how could David do what he did? How could he do that? Was he just being lucky? Was that just a lucky hit? You think of these conflicts that the Philistines and those faced coming up against the Lord of glory. And it takes you beyond just luck. It takes you beyond just thinking, wow, David was really clever and it just happened or whatever. He was, he was a crack shot. I think it's more than him being a good shot with his sling. For the circumstances that had to happen in order to make Goliath vulnerable had to be more than just David being a good shot. For he said in confidence, as we read, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. This day the Lord will do that. The Lord will deliver him. So there's no doubt that David's courage was buttressed because he thought he was fighting for his people and more importantly because he faced Goliath in the name of the Lord of hosts. There was, there's no doubt about that. He was buttressed by that. But lots of people proclaim that the Lord is with them and on their side. What's happening in the Middle East right now? The Muslims, radical Muslims, Islam, believe the Lord is on their side. God is on their side. And we think, well, we're fighting against that, protect others. Certainly, God is on our side. God can't be on both sides, right? But each proclaiming that he's on that side. So then, how did David know that God was on his side? How did, how did David know and not just be off on some kind of a, of a spiritual or radical campaign like we see in other parts of the world now? How would David know that? That God was on his side? That God was going to be with him? 
Well, I've been trying to wrap my mind around that, and, and perhaps there were, there were several things that could have been going on. One of them that David must have had a prayer life and faith, but the others might have too. But he, in his person, prayer life was sincere. Second thing we might gather is from the story that he told is he had put his trust in God before. He had put his God in trust when he faced the bear, when he faced the lion. So there was experience of God working with him. He also understood, he understood that the true challenge of Goliath was against God, not against David. He understood that there was something more involved here. He understood the great controversy was being rolled out here in a different fashion. This was a, a challenge against God. It wasn't a challenge against Americans. It wasn't a challenge against the infidels. It was a facing of him, facing of Goliath against God. And he knew, he knew when God was leading him, he had a history of God's leadership, that he knew that. So, that story, that story is more loaded than just, wow, he was victorious over Goliath. And we would say, say that David was a giant of the man, even though he was a little boy, a young man. We would say, yes, he was a giant of a man because of who he trusted and whose relationship he was with. And the story that David would tell and about this and everybody would say, oh, David is killed in Goliath and that thing. I can you imagine his brothers who laughed at him and mocked him that he was going to go out there. They said, you go home. They were going to send him home. But it appears that that David, David was on a mission sent by God. And the very fact that a shepherd boy killed Goliath, and they had a route that day, that God was directly using the weak to challenge the strong. I believe that God glide us through his word, the Bible. I believe God left for us his guide so that we might know him as David knew him. That we can be, we, any of us, can be, even though a weak vessel, can be, quote, like a giant of a man. I've been thinking about this new year for us. It's New Year. We are faced with some different challenges than we were last year. One of the challenges is what happened in Texas. If you're not familiar, there was this shooting in the church. It is interesting as I listen to the story about how this pastor had really become the target here because the pastor had refused to give this man money. They were willing to give him clothing. They were giving him food. They were willing to help him out, but not give him money. That's the same thing we do here. 
Same thing. People come in and I got to have money. I got to have money. We have a pattern for that. Have a way of handling that. Come a target. So it gives us pause to think we need to think this through. That we might protect and be careful among us. I don't know how that'll roll out. I don't know what that'll be. We've done some already, but perhaps we need to think our strategy as well. But there's a second part to this, and that is that as we look into the new year, as we're in, our church leadership is looking, where are we going from here? We've kind of reached a place. What is next? What is our next step to have impact with our community? Where do we go? Who are we in affecting our community? I believe that like David, that we could get involved in the struggle as weak as we are, could have incredible impact. We listened to this this morning as they were sharing, as, as uh, the sharing on, on what happened with the Methodists. They started out with that little prayer group, do you remember? Started that little prayer group and how the Methodists grew from there because they were looking for piety. They were looking for following the Lord and having a spiritual life. And that grew, I believe, that we can have an incredible year coming up. As we listen to God's voice, as we open up and say, Lord, where would we go now? I thank you, Lord, for the story of this giant of a man, <laughs> a shepherd boy. And as we look into the new year, I ask, Lord, you help and guide us where we can go, what we can be. Who we are to our community and how we can affect the world outside. That all may know you are the God. The great God who loves, who cares, who redeems, who changes lives. That they will be gathered to have a relationship with you, but not only that, but to go home with you. Our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.